Hey everyone, Pastor Matt here. You are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Canton. Our prayer is that the Word of God would both transform you and equip you to live a life unleashed for the glory of God. Our desire is that this content would not be a substitute for your regular gathering with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead, that it would be a supplemental boost to encourage you as you seek to follow Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now grab your Bible and let's jump into Scripture together. Open up to Psalm 77. Psalm 77. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew nearby. And if you're using one of those, it's page 577. It's interesting when uh, every every week that we come to God's word, there's impact and there's change and there's transformation. And I'm never I never find it a coincidence when a handful of people share with me what God spoke to them after the message. Um. But I have to be honest with you, one of the, one of the greatest challenges is when a sermon text that uh, you're walking through preparing for today, uh, becomes just lived experience in your own life. And, uh, this has been, this has been one of those weeks for me. And I think I've sat in Psalm 77 many times and yet, um, this week, there's just something even more important and impactful about this psalm for us. The reality is, every single one of us has faced, is facing, or is going to face trouble. And if there's anyone in here who disagrees with that and says, I've never faced trouble and I don't anticipate to face trouble, I'd love to talk with you. <laughs> Truly. Um, because I have yet to meet someone who doesn't face trouble at some point, and usually repeatedly. The question is, uh, ultimately, how do we deal with the troubles we face? How do we navigate the troubles we face? And that's the main question we're asking today. In the day of trouble, where do we turn? Where where do we go? Now, what I've found is when I sit and think about that, oftentimes we, especially if we've grown up in the church or we've been involved in church things, I'll put it that way, if someone asks us that question in the day of trouble, where do we turn, the, the answer tends to be really, really easy. Uh, for us to, to, to just say. And if someone asks us that, what would we say? In the day of trouble, where do we turn? We turn to God, right? And yet what I've found is, I've told this story before, but it's like, uh, it's like the child in Sunday school who the teacher's describing something that's furry and brown and has a bushy tail and the child goes, I know the answer's Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel. <laughs> right? And if we're not careful, 
we become prone to give an answer because we know that's the answer we should give, not because it's the answer we know is true. And so as we step into Psalm 77, I pray that we would just be really transparent and honest about where we actually turn when we face trouble. And that we would leave here today with a more intentional reason as to why should we turn to God when we face days of trouble. And it's not an if, okay? It's not an if we face days of trouble. It's when, all right? Um, in fact, just turn to your neighbor and say, you will face trouble, okay? It's inevitable. It's, it's inevitable. And I, I come to you today as one who feels this with you, that it's a lot easier to say these things and it's a lot easier to teach these things than it is to live them out and so i'm with you arm in arm uh don't don't get don't be fooled by this stage or this pulpit um i am with you in this and we all have area we need to grow um before we move forward let's just i let's just go to the lord in prayer and Trust him with these these verses. Father, uh, we are most prone to fix our eyes on the wrong things when we face trouble. Uh, Lord, we often know the answer. We know we should seek you. And yet we so often choose something else. So, Father, today I pray you would open our eyes through your word that we would rest in its authority given by you to communicate clearly to us who we're to be and what we're to do. Father, may you bring to the surface the challenges we face this day and may we leave here with a renewed hope and our eyes fixed on you, the only one who has the power to give us eternal life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, this psalm kind of breaks a pattern that we've been in for a while. And most of the psalms we have covered thus far have been uh, psalms that David wrote as recorded. And yet we see that this is a psalm of Asaph. And you'll find numerous psalms of Asaph. And uh, you can look up. There's speculation about exactly who Asaph was and what his role was. But regardless, we see... God using Asaph clearly guided by his spirit to write the words of what is probably one of my favorite psalms. Um, But not for reasons you might think, but rather because uh, it's very vulnerable and transparent. (laughs) Uh, Verse one, it says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Now, some of you, some of your Bibles have this word Selah after that. And you can actually see a break in 
these sections of this psalm divided by that word. And to be honest with you, you can find a lot of people to speculate about what the word Selah means, but we don't really fully grasp the entirety of what it means. Uh, Some people have speculated that it means intentionally pause and reflect. Uh, Others think it means to just praise Uh, Others think it's just an affirmation of what was said before. And so generally what I tell people is when we read that, uh, take what everyone thinks it is and do all of them. So when we see that, to be intentional to stop and reflect on what has been said, to be intentional to praise God because he's worthy of our praise, to be intentional uh, to reiterate and reaffirm what has been said. But... Ultimately, in his first three verses, there's one really simple statement that answers the question in the day of trouble, where do we turn? And it's, when I'm troubled, I seek the Lord. When I'm troubled, I seek the Lord. I cry aloud to God. I, I cry aloud to God. He will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. When I remember God, I moan. All of these reorient us back to where do we go when we face a day of trouble? It should draw us back to the Lord. But the question we also need to wrestle with here is why? Why seek the Lord when I'm troubled? Why should I go there? Why is he the one I should cling to? Because I, I may realize that in the scope of how I live my life, I actually have closer relationships with people of this world than I do with the Lord. Or I may realize that I actually feel like more problems are solved when I turn to my job instead of the Lord. Or I might feel like I just don't have to think about things anymore if I turn to media instead of the Lord. And so in the midst of everything competing for our attention and our affections, why should we seek the Lord? And the Bible answers this for us. Um, But the first reason is right here in verse 1. I cry aloud to God and he will what? He will hear me. Why should I cry out to the Lord? There's a confidence here that he hears. When we cry out to him, he listens. Some of you may be, have experienced relationships where you wish the person heard you. And there's some wives that are elbowing their husbands right now, right? But the reality is, we don't have to question this. Why, why don't we have to question this with God? Because scripture says that when we cry to the Lord, he hears us. Peter says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Over and over again, Scripture clarifies this. But even in James 1, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation and shadow or shadow due to change. We should seek the Lord because He never changes. He's the same. Every one of you, and myself included, we, we change. Man, we vary. Sometimes it's by day. Sometimes it's by hour. Depending on what's happening in the day. And yet, in the midst of all of the troubles we face, in the midst of all the challenges we face, God is unfazed. He's, he's not overwhelmed the way we're overwhelmed. 
He's not stressed out the way we're stressed out. Uh, He's not even concerned about the same things that we tend to get concerned about. Because he's always been sovereign and he always will be. Why should I seek the Lord? He hears, he never changes. And then I love Proverbs 30 verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who what? (laughs) Take refuge in him. We like to think that God, God is a refuge over us regardless of where we place ourselves. That is just not true. Uh, you could see this in uh, the biblical account of Israel when they chose to walk in disobedience to the Lord. There were multiple times that people lost their life because they stepped out of their own will and their own volition instead of saying we will remain steadfast in the Lord. And so the, the hope here is every word of God proves true and he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Really, the imagery there doesn't make, doesn't, shouldn't be surprising to us. If I expect the shield to protect me, but I stand outside the shield, I'm an idiot. When the arrows are flying and you're in the heat of battle, why would we think it's a good idea to remove ourselves from the cover of the shield? It, it's just not a good idea. But we do it. And so in the, in the midst of this, why should we seek the Lord? He hears us. He never changes. But he, he also never fails. And that's what Proverbs 30 emphasizes. He, he, he never fails. But the important note to realize there is his purposes never fail. Yours will. Ours will. If they are not purposed from the Lord. It has to be. And yet, one of the things we can recognize in Psalm 77 is that seeking the Lord does not guarantee that we will feel better about our circumstances. I want you to hear that again. Seeking the Lord does not guarantee that we will feel better about our circumstances. Sometimes that's the motive for why we turn to the Lord in the first place is because we want to feel better. I could tell you, this last week, that's where I was. Lord, I just, I just want to feel better about all of this stuff. And yet, even when we turn to the Lord, it may not be that we feel better about the circumstances. Because seeking the Lord doesn't necessarily change the circumstances. It changes your position in the midst of the circumstances. And we see that he seeks the Lord, but verse two, my soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold this description describes so many challenges that we face. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago, and I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Have you ever tried that in the midst of trial, in the midst of heavy seasons? You're lying awake at night, you cannot sleep, you're restless, your mind is spiraling, and you go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about all the days in the past, and I'm just gonna reflect, and try to get out of this cycle. I'll try to get out of this spiral that I'm in. I, I, how do I do that? So, 
you re- seek to remember, I'm going to meditate in my heart. And then it, the psalmist writes, my spirit made a diligent search. And this is what the search turns up. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Oh, I read this. I go, I'm so thankful that devotion to the Lord and happiness don't have to go together. We can buy into this reality so often. That if you're, if you, if you really love Jesus, you're gonna be happy. And if you really love Jesus, you're not gonna struggle. And then we, unfortunately, tell people if they're struggling, well, just pray more. Just, just spend more time in the Bible. And I'm gonna tell you, there's days where that's the last thing that I wanna do. And you might think, but you're a pastor. I'm human. And yet, we hide nothing from the Lord, and so he already knows where we're at. There's wisdom in us being honest with the Lord about where we're at. Sometimes, that means that you have some long conversations with the Lord on your drive home. Sometimes, it means that you spend a long time writing in your journal. Sometimes it means that you need to find someone who you can be truly honest with that's going to point you back to the Lord. Regardless, in the day of trouble, if I'm going to seek the Lord, I have to begin by being honest with where I'm really at. Another reality we see in the midst of this. In our flesh... We naturally see what our flesh feels. What do I mean by that? Well, the psalmist does an intense search of himself here. And what comes out is a string of pretty discouraging statements. Really questions. Lord, where are you? Is this how it's going to be from now on? Is this the way it's going to remain? If we're honest, every single one of us has asked these questions, but some of you feel like you can't ask these questions because it's dishonoring to the Lord. And yet, the Lord is the one who searches hearts that he already knows that that's, if that's where we're at, he already knows that's where we're at. He already knows. In the midst of this, (laughs) how I feel is rarely what is true. Doesn't mean the feelings are not valid. It means that when I am in a state of trouble, the last thing that I am fixing my eyes on most of the time is what's true. I'm thinking about everything that's wrong. And I'm sitting in it. And I'm spiraling. (laughs) I'm going in circles. 
And you know what? This trouble, it reminds me of this trouble over here, which leads me to think about this trouble over here, which leads me to walk towards that trouble over there. And and then I just grip my teeth and you kind of want to just crawl up into a ball and say, I'm done. I'm done. And the important piece of this psalm coming off of this place of vulnerability and transparency is the psalmist doesn't stay there. There's more. Praise God, there's more. Verse 10, he says, then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the most high. Now, some of you may have a note in your margin. The Hebrew here can really be stated two different ways. And the other the other way that this can be stated is my grief is that the right hand of the most high has changed. Either way, it's emphasizing the same thing, which is simply this. When we're in the midst of questioning the goodness, the graciousness of God, the compassion of the Lord, when we're in the midst of doubting that, at the end of the day, the question we need to ask is, has the Lord and his authority changed in any way? Is who God is changed in any way? And when we step back and we think about that, we, it's not hard to answer. Throughout all of scripture, we see the same gracious, merciful, just God. And so in so doing and asking that question, we then shift our gaze to appeal <clears throat> to the years of the right hand of the Most High. And here's the important part of this. We appeal to all that God has accomplished, not all that we've been through. It's a lot easier in my flesh to focus on what I've been through than what God has already done. And if God hasn't changed, and I'm in a state of mind that's going, where is the Lord? Then it would be so wise of us to go back in time and say, where have I seen God work already? Because we have those seasons too. But I told someone this last week. I said, it is the, the, the negative and the troubled days are so much louder. And so we often choose to dwell on that rather than on the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, it's a lot easier to dwell on the trouble. Your body and your flesh don't have to try to do that. You just do it. It takes intentionality <clears throat> to fix our eyes on the Lord. And that's really what we see here. <clears throat> I will remember, verse 11, the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. I made a note in my Bible this week, right after that verse, your way, O God, is holy, and I wrote, ours is not. What God is great like our God? You're the God who works wonders. 
Verse 14. You've made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Here's family. It takes intentionality to meditate on what is true. It takes purposeful effort to reflect and meditate on what is true. And to emphasize that further, I want, I want to have some of you read some scripture. So, take your Bibles and you can look up one of these. And when you get one, um, raise your hand because I want, I want us to hear what scripture has to say about what we meditate on, what we focus on, what we chew on, what we think about. Because there needs to be intentionality in what that, what that actually is. Come out here. Psalms 1, 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates. Meditates day and night. On his law, he meditates day and night. Okay? Let's hear another one. Who's got another one? Joshua 8 through 9. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be great. So you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, it's interesting when we think about the book of Joshua and we think about all that's taking place. And Joshua has just been commissioned after Moses to lead the nation of Israel. And you can imagine this sheer scope of concern at minimum that encompassed Joshua and yet the Lord faithfully reminds Joshua this book of the law should not depart from your mouth you will meditate on it when day and night but that you may be careful to do everything written in it success comes from doing everything that the Lord has stated you should do not from the Lord making successful whatever you want to do but we have to meditate on the right things. Okay. Which one you got? Psalm 119, 9 through 16. How can a young man keep his way pure, pure by guarding its according to your word with my whole heart I seek you let me not wander from your commandments I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you blessed are you O Lord teach me your statute with my lips I Declare all the rules of your mouth in, in the way of you, 
your testimonies. I delight as much as I as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your status stats. I will not forget your word. So, in the scope of this, how many times in there did you hear in Psalm 119, I will delight in this. I will fix and I will meditate on this. It's a choice, right? In the midst of it, okay? Got another one? Philippians... Philippians 4.8 in that. Think about these things. So if you ever wonder, what has the Lord called us to meditate on or think about? Whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Right? You got the last one? Okay. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Lord, you will give perfect peace to those who commit themselves to be faithful to you. That's because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. The Lord himself is the rock. The Lord will will keep us safe forever. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you, church family, this just begins to scratch the surface of what the Lord tells us to fix our mind and our eyes on in Scripture. But it takes intentionality for us to think that way. So in the day of trouble, if I'm going to seek the Lord, it it takes intentionality for me to stop and remember who God has always been. It takes intentionality for me to choose not to fixate just on the problems that surround me, but to stop and consider the one that I serve. The hard reality is if I'm serving myself in this, then I'm going to be really frustrated 
Because my problems generally revolve around my plans not coming to fruition the way I want them to. Family, remembering God's work does not mean ignoring the hard. But reminding ourselves that the same God who was victorious then is walking through the hard with us now. He hasn't changed. His way is holy. Sometimes we just need to stop and ask the question in 13. What God is great like our God? We could sit here all day and hear stories from just you in this room. About what God has done. And how he's moved. And how he's stepped in in ways you never thought possible. There is no other, there is no other God like that. Verse 14 and 15, you're the God who works wonders. You've made known your might among the peoples. With your arm, you redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. This reflects back. And ultimately, when we think about the greatness of God, the holiness of God, It should, in turn, remind us of our sorry state apart from God. At the end of the day, all of this points back to the heart of the gospel, which is that you and I are sinful people, which is why we face trouble to begin with. Because you and I are most prone to pursue after the things of this world rather than the Lord. And as long as there is sin in the world family, there will be trouble. And yet God, in the midst of this, we see God deliver his people in the book of Exodus out of the nation of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, exactly as he purposed and promised to do. We see even clearer when you move to the New Testament and see what God accomplished in Christ. A rescue of helpless sinners caught in the bondage of their own filth. Where God could have turned his back and instead provides a way through Jesus for us to be with him for eternity. And Jesus willfully gave himself that you might be with the Father. What God is great like our God. In the final verses of this, he reflects on the testimonies, really, of Israel coming out of Egypt. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled, the clouds poured out water, the skies gave forth thunder, your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind, your lightnings lighted up the world, the earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And if you don't know what's taking place here and what's being described, it says the people came out of Egypt into the wilderness. They were initially chased by the Egyptian army and they come to the river. 
And they've got a cross. And they all look to Moses, who's led them this far, and says, What good is this, Moses? You've led us out in the desert to be killed. And they, and they instantly turn back to a previous way of thinking. It was better. It was better when we were in Egypt. At least we had food. Not remembering all of the bad that happened in Egypt. How prone we are to this. To lose sight. And what happens? <laughs> Moses follows in obedience to the Lord. The waters part and the people walk across on dry land. The same thing happens again when Joshua comes to the Jordan River. Only this time it's a different group of people. Why? Because even in, in light of God's authoritative power and all he did to bring the people out of Egypt, they encountered the next trouble in the promised land and they feared for themselves. They lost sight of the God they serve. And so he sent them into the wilderness. They say, you're going to wander in the desert for 40 years because this whole generation is going to die off and not see the promised land. Why was that? Because they took their eyes off of the one who had brought them this far. Family, may we not take our eyes off of the one who has brought you to this very point. And I'm going to tell you, it's so much easier to do that. It's so much easier to take our eyes off the Lord and forget. And last night, last night as I was finishing up for today, and I came to this section, the water saw you, God. When the water saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. This is, this is what I wrote down. Our obstacles are no obstacle for God. And while I may fear the obstacle, the obstacle is afraid of God. And it reverberates in Romans 8 where it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Family, in the scope of this season of life, I'm, I'm burdened with you. I know, I know the struggles that you're facing. And I love and care about you so deeply that in myself, I want to fix those for you. But I know that I can't. But I know the one who walks with us through them. And so my exhortation and my prayer for us today is that we would not sit in the day of trouble. But that we would reflect back and go, it's the same God as we sang about earlier this morning. The God of Joseph, the God of Mary, the God of David, the God of Moses, the God of the disciples. He's the same God. And there is nothing that can stop his purposes. No trial you face, no trouble you encounter, no hardship that you confront 
can stop the purposes of God. And even more so, the hope that we have in Jesus is if you are in Christ, there is nothing that can separate you from his love. So may we, in the day of trouble, fix our eyes on the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Be honest with the Lord. But then remember the Lord. All he has done. And then anticipate, even in the day of trouble, all that he is going to do. Amen? Father, we are weak people who are desperately in need of your help. Lord, we recognize in the midst of troubling times and troubling days, Lord, that this is not the end. Lord, that there is more to come. And the best is yet to come, Lord. (laughs) But we recognize that the best is not here. And so, Lord, we ask that you would instill perseverance into us. A motivation to walk faithfully and obediently as you've called us to. From a motivation that has seen who you've always been. And can have a confidence that you will continue to be exactly (laughs) who you have been. Father, remind us to seek you. Remind us to fix our eyes on you. And remind us today of your power. Remind us today of the salvation that's found in Christ and in Christ alone. And Lord, in the midst of those reminders, may we have a joy. A joy that is unquenchable because it's a joy rooted not in what we're going through or what we're struggling with, but a joy that's rooted in who you are and what you have promised. Lord, the rest is in your hands. So we leave it at your feet, knowing that you care for us. And pray this in the name of Jesus.